Good morning, church. Good to see everyone here today. A lot of things to say, but I am going to be done by 12 o'clock. It's 10.30 now, so I'll be done by 12. What? Oh, okay. Well, thanks for coming out. I know we all lost an hour of sleep last night. But that doesn't give you the right to go to the land of Nod today. At least not for the next few moments, okay? So praise the Lord. <clears throat> Thanks for the worship today. That was, I really needed that. Today was a week. So I just want to encourage you, every one of you that are going up against a wall here or there. As Brother Carl said, uh, you know, sometimes there's distractions to the right or to the left. Sometimes there's bumps in the road and sometimes there's sinkholes. That we encounter. So I just want to encourage you in your faith to remain steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So we have a great future ahead of us. We have eternity ahead of us. We have a few moments here in this life where we have to endure hardship because we're different. We're the church. You're different than the world. God saved us. His love saved us. He called us out of what we used to be. And we're being transformed into what he wants us to be. That's going to be the subject of the next few lessons, Lord willing. And uh, we call that sanctification. But I want, to thank, uh, I want to thank Sam and Sharice was up on uh, worship here again today. And Jenny for the keyboard. I really enjoy her keyboard playing. Dan on the drums. Thanks, bro. That's a commitment. And uh, who else? Moses was up here. Awan's last. I get to him. (laughs) Lou, welcome back, bro. God bless you. It's been a week for you. So you're in our prayers and our thoughts. We, we, those of us whose parents have passed and gone ahead, we we know we know the heart and what we feel. So good to see you up here again. And then, last but not least, Juan. Juan, is that you there? Yes, thank you. You not only sing, you play guitar? Wow. Thank you. Very good. And they all came together as one and led us into the presence of the Lord, that our spirit lifted us up. And you can't get that. Yeah. Thank the Lord for that. You can't get that in the world. You can only get that in the spirit. And as we worship God, we worship Him in spirit. That's an experience only the born-again child of God can have. So I'm very grateful for that. So Father in heaven, we are so uh, grateful to you for lifting us up again and giving us strength to come together, Lord. And I know, Lord, that you are going to honor us for not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as some do out there, Lord. But Father, we gather together all the more as we see the day approaching. We know that we know that we live in a time where all the world is like a time bomb just ready to explode. And if it weren't for you holding it together, where would we be? So we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that you are in control of all things. You are in control of the weather and you are in control of the politicians that... Um, are just uh, vying for a position in, in our land. And, 
And we just rest in you, Lord, that uh, there's no power that be except you ordain it. So we're, we're trusting in you, Father. We pray that through this process that we as your people would be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, that we would intercede for peace in our land, that we could live in peace, and that those who would want to disrupt and cause division, Father, that you would stop that, that you would block that for your children's sake. Lord, we want to be at peace. We want to be able to serve you in peace. And we thank you for helping us. Lord, I pray now that as we look into your word and desire to know a little bit better, more about you, that you would teach us by your Holy Spirit today. Fill us, Lord. Meet each one's need. Everyone has one, Lord. And I pray that in your grace and your power and your love that it would overflow in their hearts this morning, that they would go out of here saying it was good to be in the house of the Lord today. And we thank you in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the ruler of heaven and earth. Amen. So, today is going to be an introductory message into uh, the topic of sanctification. And I want to talk about three areas of sanctification. Sanctification of your body, most of you are probably familiar with that. But then there's sanctification of your soul, and then there's sanctification of your spirit. The Bible talks about that. Carl read a few of these passages. And in the beginning here, I want to... I know most of you have probably heard about these teachings on sanctifications many times. If you've been saved for any length of time, you've heard probably various teachings on this. But if you were like me, sometimes it needs to be retaught in a different light. And that's why the title of the message is a bit different. Sanctification is, is the process of transformation in which God transform us from what we were as a sinner and a self-willed individual into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ, where we come to the place where we die to ourselves and we submit and we say, Father, not my will, but your will be done. That, my friends, is a long journey. That, my friends, is a painful journey. And we'll look into that a little bit. But when I was brought up uh, in the uh, circles that I hung with, they taught salvation by grace. We presented the message of grace, which was wonderful. But then after we got saved and we came into the fellowship of believers, they taught sanctification by works. Not directly in their theology, but practically how we lived it out. And the way that looked was, after you came out of those teachings, you knew you were saved by grace, but if you didn't toe the line, if we looked at sanctification as something like so unattainable. God is holy, and I got to be holy, so I got to make myself holy. And you know, that's a really hard thing to try to make yourself like God, because you can't do it. None of us can achieve that on our own. Being holy for I am holy is the standard, but we're saved by grace, and we're sanctified by grace. It's all grace. God does it all. Now, the question that God wants us to uh, ask ourselves is, are you willing to step into the process? Are you willing to step into the process? So, this is the will of God to be consecrated, to be set apart, coming out of the world unto him. That's what the church is. We're sanctified people. We're called out of the world. He wants to sanctify us, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, not only in our body, but in our soul and our spirit. Peter quoted out of the Old Testament, brought it into the new, so we know it's part of the new, be ye holy, for I am holy. And then we all know... 2 Corinthians 5.17, if 
any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. I know we read those scriptures and, and just to qualify, I use scriptures like this to get going because they're springboards into the topic I want to speak about. I, some people have mentioned, can't we get into, uh, just get into a passage of scripture and read through it all the way? That's called expository preaching. And yeah, we can do that. But I'm really not an expository preacher. There are teachers, I'm sure, on that level. And we can do that. I think there's some in our church that are on that level. And perhaps someday we will get into book studies. Man, I mean, that's really getting into the meat of the word there. But right now, you know, I think God just has us looking and considering at the topics that he lays on the heart of the leadership right at this time. And so I believe that's what God wants us to continue to look at. And, and so I want to do that with your help today. When we discover, you know, if we look at what we lost, when, 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 when Adam fell from his position in the garden, he really fell hard. And he really fell hard. And lo and behold, here we are. We're his offspring. And so we're making our way back to what God wants us to be. And so I wanted to, my greatest desire for us today is to look at sanctification differently, not as a sterile doctrine, but as a relationship of love. And I believe if we had to, I believe it goes well with what God's doing in this congregation because I th- think if we had to brand our congregation, it would be, it'd have to center around love somehow because we just carry that DNA in this house. You know, we carry that. And so if we, if we switch up from, okay, be ye holy for I am holy, in my mind when I go, that takes me back to the days of the law. It, take, it puts me back under this thing, this standard that I can't attain to. And it brought a lot of guilt and condemnation into our lives as believers as we all wanted to do what's right, but we kept stumbling and we kept falling short. It was hard. But if we are the bride of Christ, and we are, amen, if we switch it up from a sterile theology to a loving relationship of a bride preparing herself for the bridegroom's coming back, would that shift our passion and our motive of our heart a little bit? If your heart gets in something, you can do anything. If your heart's in it, that, that elevates you to a whole new level. It's not only your mind, but then your heart engages with it also. Because when you fall in love... Something just happens where you just want to, however you can please the one you love. It's just easy. In fact, you just live to please them. So that's why I, I entitled this Restoring the Garden of His Love. Or you could say Return to Love. That was the first thing I named, Return to Love. Or Return My Love. Return My Love. Can we look at sanctification as God saying, Come, come to me, my love. Come to me, my love. Song of Solomon. Right? The book of Song of Solomon. Come to me, my love. Return to love because that was the culture in the garden before Adam and Eve fell. The garden was a culture of love. So, 
Let's look at the garden for a second. What took place in the garden? If, it was, if you could describe the culture of the garden, if it was a culture of love, what was taking place in the garden? You can participate at this time. Name some things that were happening in the garden in regards to love relationship. Fellowship. Isn't that a characteristic of love? What else? Maria? They what? Mm-hmm. God entrusted them. He entrusted to them which was his. That's love. Right? When, when, we, when, we're, when we're engaged in a relationship in marriage, hey, what's mine is yours, what yours is mine, right? Right? Did I say that right? It didn't sound right. Anyway, what else? I put provision. I guess it would fall into that. God made sure they were taken care of. How about transparency? Was everything transparent in the garden? Sure. Trust, right? Trust. And how about risk? Risk. Love is a risk. Free will. True love relationship is you've got to honor the will of the one you're loving. And they honor your will. Because if it's not given, if our love is, is not given out of our free will, it's not really love at all. And, and Lisa and I were talking about <clears throat> some things this week of, of how God, you know, he tests us when we get saved. And, and, and part of this will be in the lesson, but <clears throat> he, he purifies our heart. Excuse me. He purifies our heart. Uh, When we come to him, he puts us in the fiery furnace and he brings the dross out, right? And he shows us our sins of our flesh. And then most of us get past that, you know, because when you're, before you're saved, what does the lost do? They, They eat, they drink, they sleep, they fornicate. That's what the flesh wants. And that's just what you do. But when you get saved, God convicts you of that and we present our bodies to him. And then you would go to a next level, which would be, you know, dealing with your emotions and all these things and so on and so forth. But say he takes you through all these things and perfects you in all those areas. Then you think, I made it. I arrived. Right? You get victory over your emotions. You get victory over your, your spirit. You treat people right. You love people. You walk in forgiveness. You, you walk in love. And then what happens? You think it's all over. It's easy sailing the rest of the way. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You know what happens then? And, and Lisa and I were talking about this week. The devil appeared before God. And he said, have you considered my servant Joe? And God decides, I'm going to show him off a little bit. I'm going to test his metal. I perfected him. Now I'm going to test him. Go ahead. So he sends the devil down there to give Job a hard time. And I'm thinking to myself, what better way to test somebody's love for you? You put them to the test. And no matter what happens to you, you don't stop loving the other person. Think about that. This whole thing on earth, it seems God is just constantly putting us to the test. And I'm thinking, wow, what must lie before us on the other side? When we get there, that he is so perfecting us. And so perfecting our loyalty and our love and testing us. 
It's love. It's all love that he would love us enough to prepare us for eternity. You track him with me on that? Does that make any sense? So if your life, you wonder, man, I'm doing everything right. I've submitted to the Lord. I've obeyed and everything else. Why am I getting kicked around now? Well, you know, it says, uh, it says in Ephesians or Acts, I'm sorry, I don't know the reference memorized, but it talks about how God wants to show the church off to the powers and principalities. See, that just blows my mind. I don't want to accept some things about God, but he's God. I can't really do anything about it. So if he perfects you and then he wants to show you off and throw you out to the wolves, so to speak, to see if you're going to remain loyal, and Job came through and God restored. And Job came to the point of saying, though he slay me, I will praise him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's amazing when I think of it, the love. So, Steps back to love, steps back to God. These are the steps we go through in the process. There's a couple steps I see God taking us through as Christians. The first step we all come into our relationship with God is through the step called condemnation. We're all condemned because of sin. And he convicts us of that. We accept Jesus Christ. And then he starts teaching us, study to show thyself approved. We come into the knowledge level. We step up into the knowledge level. And then we step into inspiration we're inspired. People preach the word. I preach the word. Hopefully, it's inspiring you in your daily walk. You get illuminated. And then there's even steps above that where Paul talked about the gift of revelation. He said, pray that God will give you the spirit of revelation. Takes you to another level. And then you go beyond that and you go to glorification. Because someday we're going to receive a glorified body. We're going to be in a glorified state. We're not going to have the body like we have now. It's going to be something, Wow. Totally awesome. How would you like to walk through walls? Isn't that what Jesus did when he came back? He just walked right in. Hey, guys. Whoa. So it's going to be something special. So sanctification or returning to God's love is a process. So let's go to, uh, let's go to the, uh, <clears throat> the, first, the first slide. If you can put number one up there, page one. How are we doing on that? It's, it's coming along. No? Okay. We're going to have to fly. There we go. Something's coming. <clears throat> Amen. Praise the Lord. Well... We start out before salvation, the chart that's going to come up in a second here, it will come up in a little bit. I know the computer's been acting up a little bit this morning. Here it comes. So anyway, before salvation, we're not able to do God's will, are we? No, we do our own will. We're a slave to our own will. And in Ezekiel 18, it says, the soul that sins, it shall die. And then we come to salvation, and then after salvation, God enables us to do the will of God, and he enables us to be responsible and to obey his will. I wish that chart would come up. It makes it a lot easier to teach this. So anyway, the chart goes like this. At 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 the beginning, there's a cross, and that's where we all start. And then there it is. There it's coming up. 
and then as we, uh, we end, we end up in heaven. All right. Can everyone see that? I'll stand over here. Get out of your way. So we start out before salvation. We're not able to do God's will. Ezekiel 18.20 says, The soul that sins, it shall die. And then we come to the cross, and uh, we go to Ephesians 2. We all know that verse, right? Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Can you quote that with me? For by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And then first, uh, Second Peter 3, 9. Who knows that verse? By heart. Well, I guess we're all in the same boat then. Let me turn to it. You have your Bibles here today? You know, when you get born again, you're licensed to carry. You should bring that with you every week. <clears throat> okay, Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And then 1 Peter 2.24, I'm going to turn to that. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. We died. When we get born again, we died to the power of sin in our lives. And then 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, and being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. And John 1.12 says, To as many as received him, to them gave he power, to become sons of God. And so when you get born again, you receive in your spirit the Holy Spirit and power, dunamis power, to become something. So that's the chart. See, we start out at the cross. We start working our way up. And in the middle is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. How many have that memorized? How many can quote 2 Corinthians 5, 17? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things become new. <clears throat> now, when I ask you these things, do you have it memorized? I'm not saying that for any bad purpose. I'm saying that to encourage you to memorize scripture. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And the way I started doing it, when I first came to the Lord, I would get a verse and I would write it on a little three by five card and I just put it in my pocket. I just did, this week I did that. I do it all the time. When I'm under... Uh, you know, trial, I'll, I'll, the, the Lord will inevitably bring me a word that I need to keep me, my head above water. So I'll write it in a piece of paper, and I'll put it there, and I'll go, when I'm going to work, I'll put it on my desk, and that'll be my bread for the day. We don't live, you know, we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So my encouragement to you is take Scripture, commit it to memory in your heart, because that gives God something to work with as you go through your week. If there's nothing in there, you're going to be fodder for the enemy. If you don't have anything righteous within you, which is his word, you'll be fodder for the enemy. You'll be influenced. You'll be an individual without an identity. Whoever can sway you, you're going to go that direction. James says, don't be double-minded. Double-minded man will not receive anything from the Lord. 
Memorize the word of God. It's your rock. It holds you in place. So let's go to the next scripture. And if you have your Bible, you can turn to 2 Corinthians 13. Here we go. So here's a couple simple little thing, you know, but it kind of gets, gets it across. Um, so we're supposed to be growing. We're growing in Christ. We're, we're, we're being changed, transformed. So I put down three experiences that most Christians have. The first one would be you get saved and there's no growth. You're just flatlined. There's a, there's a tool in the hospital, in the operating room, that has one of those. If it's flatlined, what does that mean? Bad news. Anyway, 2 Corinthians 3, 5. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, I mean. I'm sorry. It says, do examine yourself. I'm going to start at verse 4. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we are... Also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith and test yourself. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? So it says we need to make sure that Jesus is in us to test ourselves. So if we're flatlined, if you got saved and you're the same as you were 10 years ago, you're still at the same place, come and see me after the service. The next one is, and this is where most Christians live their entire experience, it's up and down, on and off. You get saved, you're fired up, you're on the honeymoon, but then God says, okay, time for the honeymoon to end, we all have to get back to reality now, we can't stay in Hawaii forever. So the trials start coming, and you, ugh, you dive, you take a dive down. And you go for a while, and you get inspired again, you come back up. And it's up and down like this, up and down, up and down, up and down, on and off. That's not good, but it is reality. And that's where most of us fall into that second category. But James said that uh, when trials come, count it all joy because they're for perfecting our faith. And then if you need wisdom, he said, just ask God and he'll give you wisdom. But if you ask, ask in faith, not wavering. For a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. So it's somebody like having a split brain. The one side of your brain says, yes, Jesus, I love Jesus. He's my victor. He gives me the power. I can do everything through him. But then experience comes, and all of a sudden you shift to the other side of your brain. And you said, oh, woe is me. I can't do this. This is too hard. I'm no good. I'm unworthy. So you're double-minded. See, God says, no, 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 no. <clears throat> that may happen, but don't, don't let it conquer you. So the third one is the right way. God wants us to get saved, born again, and then it should be a steady climb, upward and onward. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things passed away, all things are becoming new. So that should be our experience all the way up to glory. Amen? So my desire... And all the pastor's desires here is for us to get on that third track, to get on that third road. 
And we get on there and we just keep going. It's not an easy climb. If anybody told you that Christian life is easy, they're crazy. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And because he died, just like all those songs we sang this morning, what he did for us, can we do no less for him? The love that he gave us, can we not love him with all our heart? What else are we going to do? Are we going to go back to the world? I don't know what your friends were like in the world, but they didn't treat me nice. Backstabbers, you know, smile on their face, right? Backstabbers. They were, it was terrible out there. People just abused you and they, uh, you know, took advantage of you. And as long as you had money in your pocket, they were your friends. As long as you were winning, they wanted to be with you. But if you didn't have anything to offer, they were, you know, fair weather friends. They were gone. So I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to the vices and the addictions of the world. I don't want that. To be conquered and defeated in my body? Forget that. You know, I want to keep going. I'm too far up the mountain to turn back now. If I go back now, <clears throat> I'm going to be dead because I'm too far up. You know, if you're down at the bottom climbing and you slip and you fall, oh, I hurt. But you get up a little high and you go down, bad news. That's a long fall. Now, we don't want to do that. We're not going to do that as a church, right? We're not those who fall. We're those who go up all the way because you can, you can make it. So... Here's some thoughts to keep in mind. That would be the last slide. Thoughts to keep in mind as we go into this uh, study on returning to the garden of our love, being transformed to the image of Jesus Christ. This is the way we please God. Yes, we're pleasing Him in Christ, but if we want His favor, He also wants us to be loving Him with all our heart and all our soul and with all our strength. If we're two-stepping on God, he's not going to be happy. If we're off and on with God, he won't be pleased. He wants us to be committed 100%. No less than you want people to be committed to you. You want people to be committed to you, whether it's your mate or whoever it is. If you commit yourself to your employer, you want your employer to be committed to you, right? It's a two-way street. If you're going to get the best out of any relationship, it's got to be fully committed. And God wants us to be fully committed to him. And that's what we're going to be at Calvary Vision Church. Amen? Amen. Fully committed to the Lord. So, thoughts to keep in mind. The first thought is spiritual growth is emotionally painful. Remember this as we study this, okay? And I would encourage you to, if you want these notes, you can have them. Um, Just let me or Pastor Dave know. We'll get you a copy of these. And you can take all these scriptures. And this would be good for you to sit at home with your family and go over these scriptures and prepare yourself. That way, when we get into the next uh, uh, scriptures on presenting your body a living sacrifice as we sanctify our body, you'll be prepared with some good foundational material. Okay? So, things to keep in mind. Spiritual growth is emotionally painful. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me through the transformation process. Now, you know the cross is a symbol of death. And being transformed back into the image of his son, or we're to be grown up. Jesus said, if you receive me, I give you power to be a son. It doesn't say you're a son. When you get born again, you're a child of God. But God wants you to not be a little child forever. Children are a liability. They can't really give much to the kingdom. He wants you to grow up and be a son. Sons are an asset to the kingdom of God. Sons love fully. Sons are 100% committed. 
and they're engaged and they honor their father. And that's what God wants us to be. So <clears throat> when we take up our cross, we're going to have to learn, okay, not my will, but thine will done. That's easy to say that. And you can say that your whole life, but if God doesn't take you through the process of death to self, you'll never come out the other side in resurrection to where you can lay down what you want to do and pick up what he wants to do. You see what I'm saying? That's, that's painful when you get challenged in that area. Number two, if any man loves mother and father more than me. I mean, that's emotionally painful. How many of you have been challenged in here, if you, especially if you get the first one saved and, you, and your parents aren't saved? And they're saying, what are you doing? Holy roller. You, carry, you hear all these names being called. You're a holy roller. You're brainwashed. I need, to, I need to extract you. I need to take you somewhere and deprogram you. I've heard all these stories from people who get born again. Their parents think they went off the deep end. That's emotionally painful. And they have to make a choice. What do I do? Do I turn my back on Jesus Christ who saved me so I can keep my family and have their approval? Or do I keep following Jesus Christ? That's a price to pay. Jesus said, except a kernel of wheat fall on the ground and die, it abides alone. That's hard. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Solomon said, there's a way that seems right on the man, but the end is death. So God takes us through this transformation process. And when we look at the transformation of our mind, when we have to look at something and you're saying, you know, that seems reasonable. And God says, that's not my will. And we have to go through that process that pain of not doing what's right in our own eyes, and we say, okay, God, if you say that's wrong, I'll trust you, and I'll go your way through the transformation process. When you get through the transformation process and you see it the way God sees it, when he lifts you up on the mountain and you start seeing what God was seeing, and you'll say, thank God, <clears throat> he took me through this. It was painful, but I'm glad that I submitted to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and I didn't just insist on my own way. Because if I would insist on my own way, I would be up and down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. You know, so we have to deny ourselves, follow the Lord, know the word, and be obedient. Number two, we are still in the presence of sin. Whether you like it or not, that's the way it is. When you get born again, you are saved from the penalty of sin, but we're still in the presence of sin. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. When you get born again, you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death the rest of your days. Because this world is dead. This world's under a curse. That's going to be redeemed someday. But we're the only life in it right now. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. We're the only hope, Christ in us. You see, as we lift him up, we have to lift Jesus up. We're the witness now. Jesus said, as I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. He's, he's at the right hand of the Father. So if anybody's going to be drawn, it's going to be drawn through you. Your testimony at work, your witness, you're talking to your neighbor, you're talking to the widow, you're talking to the one who, whatever, fill in the blank for in your own life. You've got to know a lot of people in your life that are struggling, going through stuff. You've got to see it every... Now, we can drive by. Remember the story of the Samaritan? All the religious people just walked on by, didn't want to be bothered. But then there was one who knelt down, took the time, gave up his time. Boy, in a world where nobody has any time to help anybody else. They gave their time, they gave their treasure, and they nursed that person. They nurtured that person back to life. That's what God calls us to do. Think about it. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We all have to make that call. I do it. Pastor Tim does it. Where we have to make a choice. Do I meet this deadline or do I take this call? Because this person's calling to me and wants to talk to me about the Lord. I always take the call. Because God will deal with the deadline. He always does, always has. Which one are we on? Oh, remember this. We're still in the presence of sin. Now, like it or not, when Adam fell, he turned the keys over to someone else. Who is that? That's why the Bible says Satan's called the God of this world. Do you imagine that? We're behind enemy lines as Christians. We're behind enemy lines all the time. He's the God of this world. We're in his jurisdiction. The only thing, that's, the only thing that protects us is being born again and walking in the Spirit. Because Paul called that having access into the heavenly realm. Therefore, we have power over all powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. They're under our feet as long as you're in the Spirit. If you're walking in the flesh, you open doors up for Satan to have hay with you, make hay with you. That's, a, that's something we can look at later too. So, there's other scriptures. There's other scriptures I have down in here. If you want them, I will give them to you. And then we say we have an enemy, the devil. We don't have to talk about that much if you're... If you're Trying to live for God. You know well, the Bible says the devil is like a lion, a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Right? If you resist the devil, he will. When you resist, you line yourself up with God. When you line yourself up with God, you can't go wrong. Then God will have your back. But we know that the devil comes all the time and whispers lies in our ears. Every day. Whatever your weakness is, he's going to try to exploit it. Think about your weakness. You have to deal with it all the time, and the devil's always there trying to bring condemnation in your life, trying to get you out of faith. So you have to deal with, this is emotionally painful, where you have to deal with your emotions in a jurisdiction that he can, he runs around in accusing us, he's the accuser of the brethren, and he's always whispering in your ear lies. And you have to be able to say, I hear that, but I don't agree with it. I don't welcome that. And you keep yourself in faith, steadfast in the Lord. That's all part of sanctification. And then four, we're really good on time. It's only 11.15. So we're good on time. And I'm almost done. Four, we have been given the power to overcome and become sons and daughters of God. John 1.12. To as many as receive him, to them gave he power, dunamis power, virtue from heaven, to become transformed, to go through this process. He's given you what you need. The minute you got born again, you received the deposit of the Holy Spirit in your life. You have everything you need to make it. All of us do. If we don't make it, it's not God's fault. He gave us everything we need. If it doesn't work, it's because we're not working something right. God made it all right. And we have everything we need to make it to cross the finish line. So we need to run our race in faithfulness. Christ's death provided the power of sonship. He expects us to be holy, and this means bringing our soul and body into subjection by the power of the Holy Spirit until we live out of our spirit. This is the restored position, living out of our spirit. The process of being restored is the operation of transformation from self-will to his will. And Jesus lived this out when he said, my meat is to do the will of the Father, period. So, and then five we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, this is our motive. But what does the Bible say the beginning of wisdom is? What's the beginning of wisdom? 
Nothing wrong with the spirit of the fear of the Lord. If, if, uh, if you really understood, if you really believed, I'll say it this way, if you really believed that someday you're going to die and you're going to stand before the judgment seat of God, you will work out your salvation with what? And that's right. 2 Corinthians 5 says this. And let me say this before I read this passage. You ever, you ever been around people when they pass? When they pass over? There's two different experiences that I've had. There's the peaceful ones, and there's the ones that are in fear. You all know Giovanni, a friend of mine. <clears throat> well, his boss, his boss's mom was, was dying in the hospital. And he called him up, said, you got to get in here, you got to get, what's wrong? He said, my mom is ready to go, and she's screaming, and she's screaming out, saying, get away from me, get away from me, get away from me. The one who owns you comes for you. The one who owns you comes for you. 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, Therefore, we make it our aim whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or evil. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. See, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to persuade you. Because I really believe that someday... I'm going to stand before him and give an account. <clears throat> it can be really good, or it can be really bad. We want it to be good. It's all going to be good for everyone in here, amen? Amen. So, that's it for the introduction. Next week, we'll get into the more meat and potatoes. Not next week, next time. Five weeks from now, or two months, whenever it's going to be. Um, so, I want to leave you with this. <clears throat> Do we have another slide? Is there one more in there? The one about homework? I want to give you homework. Just what I need. Homework. The homework is this. It says in 2 Timothy 2.15, to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study. It's an imperative mood. It's not an option. Why should we study? To show ourselves approved. Ourself approved. Not anyone else. Ourselves. Because you alone will stand before him. You're not going to stand with anybody else or blame your husband or wife or anybody, anything like that. Study. Why? To show yourself approved, tested. Unto who? God. He's the judge. A workman. You know what a workman is? A field laborer. We're all field laborers. A field laborer is one who has to break up the fallow ground, prepare it, for planting, get all the rocks out. We all deal with our stony hearts, right? We all deal with the junk in our heart. All the unforgiveness and bitterness all has to go. That's called healing, by the way. That's the ministry of healing. Jesus said he came to heal the brokenhearted. And then, where am I going? I just lost my thought. Did you ever go through, did you ever go through a message and all of a sudden the screen went blank? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what was the last thing I just said? 
study to show yourself approved. Yes, we're on the farming situation. I should know that because I was a farmer. I was testing you to see if you're awake. You passed. Okay. Then he plants the seed. Then he has to water the seed. Then he has to keep the weeds away from the seed. And then the harvest finally comes. That's what you are as Christians. You're field workers. That's what God does in your life. He breaks the fallow ground up. The word of God comes into your heart. But it's, it's not automatic. At that point, the Bible says, guard your heart. Right? Guard your heart. You have to guard it and keep it until the harvest comes. Rightly dividing the word of truth, that you may cut a path, a straight road, a straight direction to reach your destiny. So, this is what I want you to do for next time. I want you to memorize Romans 12, 1 and 2. Who knows that by heart? Romans 12, 1 and 2. One. I got one, I got two, I got two, I was going to make a three, I got a three, hey, we got a, come on. I was raised in the Pennsylvania Dutch, a lot of auctions going on there. I always wanted to be an auctioneer. This is the closest thing I'm going to get to being an auctioneer. I make a little joke there. But anyway, <clears throat> Romans 12, 1 and 2, let's say it together. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. You can do it. You are here because you can do it. God doesn't put you in any race that he doesn't prepare you for. You can turn the world upside down, church. Every one of you is in here. Every one of you has the power to turn the world upside down if you're committing yourself fully. Are we willing to do that? Can we try that? Can you memorize that? Now, next time, I'm not going to let pastor know, or we're not going to broadcast when I'm speaking, because if you know, you won't come. And I want to be able to pick on you. I'm not going to do that. I would never do that. Never, ever, ever. But I encourage you, memorize that verse. Could we try that together? To memorize that one verse? Hide it in our heart and let the power of God, you're putting a seed in your heart that God can work with. Amen. David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Father in heaven, we thank you and we love you for your word. We thank you, Father, that you have not orphaned us. You have not left us alone. The very fact that we are challenged by your word is the proof that you love us. You are with us. You will never leave us nor forsake us. And Lord, we want to be faithful. We want to be free and we want to be pure. We want to be everything that you want us to be. We want to be lovers, Father. We want to receive your love and we want to give our love. We want it to be a back and forth relationship, Lord. We want to walk with you each day. We want to know what it means to honor the Holy Spirit in our life. And when we grieve the Holy Spirit, Lord Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just help us to quickly deal with that offense as we offend you and that we would not dishonor you. Lord, I pray that uh, we would just continue to put ourselves under the blood of Jesus Christ, that we would continue every day to get the armor of God on, every day that we set our minds on things above and not things on the earth. I thank you, Father, that you'd enable us because we are crucified with Christ. 
Let our old man stay in the grave. Let the lies of the devil be put off to the side. We don't agree with the devil. We don't come into agreement with the devil. We don't welcome the devil. We say the devil's a liar. We resist the devil. And he must flee. As we resist, he must flee, God, because it's your word, and your word will not return void. It is alive. It is powerful. It's quick and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And we thank you, Lord, that you use that sword to cut asunder our soul and our spirit so that we may examine ourselves and we may take note of what you're showing us about ourselves, that we might be conformed to the image of your dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen.